Welcome to the Behind Their Business Podcast, the show that's peeling back the curtain and showing what's actually happening behind the scenes of running a business. I'm your host, Steph Blake, and each week you'll hear from women at all levels of business who are showcasing their stories of struggle and triumph as they juggle business ownership with day-to-day life. Join us to hear inspiring stories and strategies for starting and growing your own business. Hey everybody, Steph Blake here, and I am so glad that you are here for this week's episode. As usual, it is going to be amazing, so you are in for a treat. But before we dive into that episode, I want you to join our private and 100% free and supportive community for business owners to connect in called the Confident CEO Community. So if you have not joined us yet, here is your invitation to come and join us. Each week I also do a live training to share my best tips and tricks for scaling an online business the easy way. We talk about strategy, team building, mindset, tools, automation, and everything in between to help you confidently step into the CEO role in your business. So you can go to confidentceocommunity.com to join us today. And now let's dive in to this discussion with our incredible guest. All right, you guys, this is going to be such a great episode today because our guest is going to get so real with us about how she got all the way to six figures and ended up feeling completely disconnected from her business. She and I were actually in a mastermind in the past. And during that time, we learned that we both don't really have many filters. So you're going to get all of the juicy details in this episode (laughs) today. And she's going to share what was going on internally and some really great advice to help if you're at the point where you're feeling disconnected from your business too. She is a business and mindset coach and helps who helps coaches and healers grow their business with strategy, mindset, and manifestation. So you can learn more about her on her website, kristinkaczynski.com, and you can find her on Instagram at Kristin Kaczynski. So please help me welcome Kristin Kaczynski. <laughs> Yay. So glad thank you're here. You. Oh, thank you so much. I do have to say it's Kaczynski with a s- sound, but I always say totally that wrong. Common thank you for correcting me. <laughs> thank you for correcting me. And the funny thing is I'm actually changing my name because I did just get married, but my stage name is still going to be Kaczynski. <laughs> okay. That's what I thought. So that's why I wasn't going to say your married name. So good. Yeah. I'm, glad that, I'm glad that I got it right. Um, so I know that you are doing like mindset and business coaching right now, but what were you doing prior to that? Like what, what were you doing that led you to, um, this six figure point? So I want you to dive a little bit into the background of your business. If you want to dive into life stuff too, that was going on. I'd love for you to share it all. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to actually back up a little bit and start at the very beginning of my business, which I quit my job before I even made a single sale. I was just like, so over corporate. And I was like, you know what? I need, I need a fire lit under my ass basically is how I felt. So I was like, okay, I'm going to quit my job and just like, see what, what the hell happens. And I did that. And for like a month, it was okay. And then I started to get really nervous because I wasn't making sales yet. So at that point, before you go on any further, can you share what you were doing in corporate? Oh yeah. I was in media. I was a project manager in media. Awesome. I I like to like paint a picture for people so they can like see where you are to see where you're at now. So that's great. Thank you. And I was like, so I had been promoted once and I was probably going to be promoted one more time if I had stayed, but I, I felt like I was at like the bottom of the totem pole in corporate. So 
I was really eager to go off on my own and, you know, have more responsibilities and do more things that I actually cared about. So. Yep. I can totally relate to that, except I was at my ceiling when I left and I was like, there's really nowhere else for me to go unless I want to go to another company. So yeah, yeah, totally get that. So what happened after you left that job? Yeah. So like I said, for about a month, I was kind of like treading water and like nothing was really happening. I was posting a lot on Instagram. Instagram is my main platform. Um, I was talking to people, building relationships, doing all the things you do when you start your business as a new online coach. And I actually did have a business coach at the time, but I felt like I needed more support on sales. So the first thing I did to kind of like shake things up that led to my first initial success was I hired a coach who is very heavily in like the masculine selling. Um, So this is what you see all over the coaching industry. If you're in this industry, it's, you know, talk to five leads five times per day or send a hundred emails or pitch yourself to all these people. Um, so I got good at that side of selling and I reached my first 10 K month, which was pretty awesome. That's kind of like, I, I see the first 10 K month is like the first major hurdle besides your first sale in the online coaching business, because if you're not making at least 10 K per month, it's really hard to, to go full time because of taxes, because of, you know, getting your life back. Like you want to be able to hire a VA, hire a team member, Um, So I kind of see 10K per month as a business owner is kind of like minimum wage. I don't know if you feel the same way, but. Yeah, I I mean, I think it's really specific to each person. Like there's some people that I work with where their spouse makes all of their, like covers all of their personal expenses. So they're good with like 5K and maybe they have a VA for like 500 bucks or a thousand bucks a month. And that's, that works for them. So in my personal journey in life though, it was definitely 10K for me, just like what my personal goals were. So yes, I can resonate with that number specifically. And I'm sure other people can too. Yeah. And I think it also depends on where you live. I do happen to live in New York, which might be the most expensive location in the United States um, besides California. So um, that probably also persuaded me to go for the 10K. And once I got there, the crazy thing was I was excited for like 30 seconds. And then I felt like, oh my God, I have to do that again. Cause I had worked so freaking hard just to get to that first 10 K months. And at that point in time, I didn't have any recurring revenue. So it was all like paying full clients. And I looked ahead, I think this was November, 2019. Yeah. November, 2019. And then I looked ahead to December and I was like, oh my God, I'm only going to make like $600 next month, <laughs> according to my you know current recurring revenue. Um, so I kind of came crashing back down and I felt kind of lost which is what led me to hiring a coach to help me scale. And that was a good move, you know, to kind of like get me started in making more consistent income. I definitely started to make more consistent income, but I found myself kind of in the same up and down cycle where I would hit an income milestone. And then I felt like I would come crashing back down and I'd be like, oh my God, I have to do that again. Or, oh my God, I don't know if I can do that again. And it was kind of like this, this roller coaster ride, even though if you looked at like my, my, you know, bookkeeping software, it said my income was consistent, but I felt very like inconsistent. And like, I was on a roller coaster ride for lack of a better analogy. Yeah, no, I can, I completely get that. I've been there too. I'm a lot of people have been there until they learn how to generate consistent revenue and recurring revenue whether that's through coaching or services or membership sites or courses, whatever it is. So yeah, go ahead. 
And one thing I didn't realize, cause I was working with a business strategy coach and she taught me a lot and I don't regret hiring her and I learned so much, but what I didn't realize is for me, at least there was an upper limit to strategy. So part of the reason why I was getting into this roller coaster ride was because I had some unhealed trauma from past relationships and I actually didn't feel worthy of making consistent income and having a stable income because I was so used to it, it being too good to be true to have like a stable life, which kind of sounds crazy, but a lot of us actually are in this position. I've been there for sure. And I know people who are listening have been there too, whether or not they realize it, they realize that they're getting to this like invisible wall ceiling, I guess, but they're not sure like why, why it continues to happen over and over and over again. And not just the ceiling, but also the ups and downs. So if you notice, like, cause in my income, it would be like 10 K month and then like a three K month and then an eight K month. And then like a 2K month. And it was like this big up and down. And like, overall, my income was regular. Like I was still paying all my bills. I was still able to, you know, cover all my expenses. And I was still able to keep growing my like highest income by a little bit. But it wasn't like stabilizing at the higher level. It was like, every time I got to a higher level, I came crashing back down. Kind of like that exact same pattern with my first 10K month. And it was again, because I felt like, well, it's too good to be true. This was all unconscious by the way. And in my body, it wasn't like I was thinking this out loud to myself, but unconsciously I thought to myself, it's too good to be true, to have stable, continuously growing income because otherwise I'm going to get hurt or otherwise my spouse will leave me or otherwise something bad will happen. It's the, it's actually this concept called developmental disappointment where we like wait for the other shoe to drop. We like get so close to our goal and then we like pull ourselves back unconsciously or we self-sabotage unconsciously because we're afraid of when we get there that another shoe's going to drop and we're going to be harmed in some way. Mm-hmm. So how did you find out that's what was going on? Did you like, I, you hired another coach to help you with that, right? To deal, like to dig into yeah. the inner. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it took me a while to kind of figure out the money situation, but I started to see, I started to see a lot of progress when I started to heal my past trauma. So I was in a emotionally abusive relationship in college and I had actually suppressed it for like almost a decade. And then when the pandemic hit, it was like, it was like, I was put into an even deeper trauma response. I was already in a trauma response, but because of all the the pain and the suffering that we were going through at the very beginning of the pandemic, especially in New York, especially being engaged at the time to a doctor who worked in a hospital with all the COVID patients, it was like, everything was like piling up on me energetically, spiritually, emotionally to where I was like forced into an even deeper trauma response to where I couldn't be a safe coach for my clients. I couldn't detach from my business. I was in this crazy workaholic pattern where I would actually feel unsafe if I stopped working. Even if I had already made a 10K month that month, it felt unsafe to stop working. And it was a trauma response, right? Like this was all unconscious. This was all involuntary or like compulsive. And so when I met my mindset coach at the time, summer of 2020, 
and we started healing some of that trauma, just getting out of the trauma response, I started making more money. And I was actually able to like detach from my business, close the laptop at, you know, 4 PM, which is what I had wanted when I quit my job. But I had turned my, my business into like that crazy corporate job that I hated where people work 12 hour days. I had actually turned my business into that because yeah, of my so trauma. When you say get out of the trauma response for people who aren't familiar with what that looks like, can you explain that a little bit? Yeah. So we have four main types of trauma responses that like all humans and animals go through this. This is like a nervous system reaction to being under stress. So it's fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. And most people have heard of fight or flight, but freeze and fawn are also responses. So for me, I was in very much of a flight, F-L-I-G-H-T response when I was in that trauma response that I was describing in my business, which meant I was trying to avoid stopping, slowing down, actually feeling anything. Because if I actually stopped, if I actually slowed down, I would have to realize what I had been through back in college. And Mm -hmm. it was something I didn't realize until, you know, many years later, but I had been doing that my whole life since that moment. I had been, you know, working really hard at my corporate job and teaching fitness and starting to build my business. Like I had three jobs at one point, even before I quit my job. And it was because I was avoiding the stopping, the slowing down, the actually feeling, because that was too scary for me. And my unconscious mind was trying to protect me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I would say that your conscious mind didn't realize it was scary, right? It was your unconscious mind. Yeah. Right. So you were just going, 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 doing all of the things, thinking that's what you were supposed to be doing, because I'm sure you likely learned that from your initial masculine focused coach, right? So it's like you were doing all these things that you thought that you needed to be doing in order to reach this goal. But in reality, you were just like, I just, I imagine like pushing it down further and further, further into your body and not like Mm -hmm. actually releasing it and letting it, letting it leave your body. Right. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And a hundred percent pushing it down further until it came like exploding up and out during the pandemic, which I'm grateful for, right? Like I'm so grateful for that experience because I just look back even like two years ago at how my relationship it was with my, my boyfriend, who's now my husband. Like I had such a short fuse, like I would blow up at him for like the tiniest little thing. Like I I was literally in a, in a trauma response, which when you're in a trauma response, you don't have access to like empathy or to, you know, human, human connection. Like it's really hard to make friends I lived in Philly for like three years and really didn't make that many friends. It's really hard to connect with people. It's hard to, um, you know, deal with any sort of like minor overwhelm because your nervous system is so incredibly overwhelmed already. Right. So like trauma response, it's like nervous system overwhelm. And when you're in it, it's like, so there's not even like the smallest little thing, like a client not deciding to re-sign their contract, for example, can set you off. And so it makes it so hard to build a business when you're in that state, which is not your fault, which is really common, (laughs) which is also uh, something that you can heal and release. And I do that work now, but when you're in that state, it's, it feels impossible to build and grow a business because you can never get to a state of safety. 
Yep. I'm nodding my head fierce, like constantly. If anybody's watching the video, like I'm just constantly nodding my head because I can completely relate to this because I had a similar situation with an abusive relationship. And then after doing a lot of inner work, realized I had a lot of issues from my parents' divorce, which happened when I was seven years old that I 30 years later realized it was still affecting me, which is crazy to think about. But um, like you said, it, regardless of when it happens in your life, if you don't choose to deal with it and do the work, you're just going to continue suppressing it and you're going to do other things, whether that, whatever that looks like for you, for you and I specifically, it's being a workaholic and just yeah. pouring ourselves into work to distract ourselves from what we actually need to be doing. So um, I love that we're talking about this right now because I feel like there's a lot of people who kind of put themselves in that workaholic bucket and they don't really know why they do it. So is there anything that you can share with those people right now um, to like, if they can do like one thing right now to try to uncover something to figure out like why they're going through, like why, why they show up in this way every day, like why this obsession with working is showing up in their lives. Yeah. So I want to kind of like define like healthy passion versus workaholicism. Yes. Please um, do that. Before yeah. I give any, any tips on this. So healthy passion is you love to work in your business. You're happy to work hours and hours and hours, but you do have boundaries around your time and energy. So maybe if you're going through a launch, if like something has to get out and it's like an emergency, you work a longer day, but on a consistent basis, you are taking time to spend with your loved ones. You actually talk to your friends, you take care of your body, you actually eat meals at regular intervals, you, you know, do things besides your business. And you overall, like if you look at your whole life, it feels well-rounded, maybe balanced isn't the right word, but it feels like you're consistently taking care of yourself and your relationships and your business. So that's healthy passion, right? And it is normal to sometimes work longer hours when you have healthy passion, but you still have a life. Workaholicism, as I define it, is you think you have healthy passion, but you have a compulsive urge to work that feels unconscious. Like maybe I remember for me at times in the past, my fiance would like tap me on the shoulder and be like, Hey, it's like nine o'clock. Do you want to eat dinner? And I would be like, Oh, like I didn't even know. Right. So like, it feels unconscious. It feels like you can never stop working. It doesn't feel like eating a meal is a worthy use of your time or doing a workout is a worthy use of your time. If you haven't finished your work task yet, um, nights and weekends are times where you frequently work and you, you find yourself never having a break or very rarely having time to yourself or with your loved ones. And if you look at your life, business is 80 to 90% of your life. There's no friendships. There's no, you know, quality time with people you care about, no hobbies, no taking care of you. So that's what I would define as more of like workaholicism. And I was deep in that mm -hmm. in the past. Oh, me too. I used to tell my husband, people who rest are lazy. Like if yeah. anybody chooses to watch 10 minutes of TV, they're lazy. They need to be working. Like, what are they doing with their lives if they're not working 24 seven? Yeah. Now, looking back at that, I'm like, okay, now I see why he realized there was something wrong with me before I realized there was something wrong with me. Right. So a lot of times we don't right. even realize it. 
Well, and I think our society does a good job at perpetuating it, right? So like we're taught in corporate that it's like a badge of honor to work till 8 p.m. or 11 p.m. Like I would go to my corporate job and at the time I was, you know, focused on building my business. I didn't realize the deep trauma response I was already in. But at the time I would hear people say, yeah, I had to work till 8 p.m. last night. But, you know, I'm excited because I'm, you know, showing initiative or whatever. And I, I remember when I would hear people talk about that, I would think to myself, I do not want that life. Like, I do not want that life. I want to be able to enjoy my life, which is why I started building my business. Um, but in society, it's so ingrained in us, especially in the United States, it's so ingrained in us that it's good to work a lot and, you know, rest when you retire or rest on vacation. And we, we wear it as a badge of honor when we work more than other people. That's a big part of our culture is like, I'm busier than everyone. And that's like honorable. That makes me better than everyone. Right. So I saw that a lot in corporate and I, I even see it a lot in the online space. Um, but to answer your, your previous question about like how to start to shift out of that. So workaholicism is usually like a numbing mechanism. So just like people, you know, drink a lot of alcohol to numb their feelings or eat, 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 have problems with food and, you know, eat to numb or play video games to numb. Like numbing is a thing that we do in all different ways. Work, workaholicism can be a form of numbing, which means there's something under the surface that you're avoiding. And whether it's a trauma as serious as an abusive relationship or, you know, something a little bit smaller as like a really tough breakup in a healthy relationship, Maybe there's something under the surface that you've been avoiding or hiding from yourself that needs to be addressed. And I want to also normalize trauma because like everyone on planet earth has trauma. Like we have childhood trauma. We have trauma from being in car wrecks, from going to the doctor, from, you know, having a really high conflict relationship from having a conversation that put us into a fight or flight response. Like we can have trauma from just everyday life. And it's not like you have to be a soldier at war to experience trauma. It's very normal for pretty much everyone to have a trauma experience in their lifetime. Yeah. So I want to circle back to your story because we just went totally sidetracked, but before we do that, so I just want to stay on this topic for just like two more minutes. So for somebody who can identify themselves as somebody who has these workaholic tendencies, they identify as being a workaholic, would you suggest, um, what would you suggest they do? Like one, one thing they could do, is it just first identify it? Is that really the first thing? Just say like, okay, this is not normal. What, what do you suggest? Well, I think identifying it is important and like being radically honest with yourself about if you're in the healthy passion or if you're in the workaholicism and then, I mean, you could just journal on or ask yourself or meditate on this question. What am I avoiding? What am I avoiding? Um, or, or what am I not seeing or what am I not feeling? Right. So it's, I see workaholicism as usually like a numbing mechanism, which means we're trying to avoid pain in some way. So what is the pain that you're avoiding? And then from there, you want to actually like feel the pain, which sounds really counterintuitive, but we don't get to get rid of the pain unless we move through it. So a lot of times we want to bypass 
our experience, bypass our traumas, pretend like they didn't happen or pretend that we're over it. I did that for like a decade. I was like, I was an abusive relationship, but I'm over it. Like I literally said those words for so long. Um, and And I had never like actually done any feeling of it. I just like had the label anyway. Um, so the only way to actually let the pain leave your body is if you move through it, which means you have to feel it. Right. And it's really scary to feel pain because so, so much in childhood, we're taught pain is bad, avoid pain, stay away from pain, you know, try to try to numb your pain, numb your feelings. Don't feel that that feels bad, but you're actually making yourself feel worse. Right. So like feeling the pain of my abusive relationship was painful, but it was painful for like three weeks. And then I felt a hundred times better than I had in a decade. Like, I'm not joking you a hundred times better. So we think by not feeling the pain that we're saving ourselves from pain, but we're actually prolonging the agony. And if we would just feel the pain from whatever it is we're avoiding, then we get to release it and we become way happier humans. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. And I think the thing that people forget is that we feel the trauma, like literally in our bodies too. And if you think about it, you have been in your body your entire life. So the things that happen yesterday, five years ago, 30 years ago are still literally living in your physical body. So you need to get that out because guess what? If you don't, it's not going anywhere. It's just going to continue to stay there and continue to come up in ways that you likely don't expect. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I had a huge problem with jaw clenching that completely resolved when I started doing trauma work. Yep. 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 It's so, it's so crazy. Yeah. And I, after doing all of that work, realized that I had a really terrible food addiction too. So it was like the one, two punch of like food addiction to numb plus workaholicism. So it's like sitting in front of a computer for 16 hours and numbing with food after that, like recipe for disaster. Um, okay. But anyway, I want to go back and circle back to your, um, where you were at in this point. So it was summer, you said 20, 2020, where you hired this coach, you started Mm -hmm. to do some of that internal work and then you were getting close to that six figure mark. So like what happened then? Yeah. Well, I want to say it's interesting because in 2020, I I think like 60% of my income was made in Q4 alone, which was after three months of inner work. And I was still doing inner work in Q4. So it just goes to show that like, I essentially had the same types of strategies, Q1, Q2, and Q3. But the reason why I made so much money in Q4 is because I got myself out of my trauma and I was able to become a more functional human being who also was an energetic match for good things and like could hold good things without fearing the backlash or the other shoe dropping. So as I got closer and closer to that six figure mark, I actually stopped caring about it for a little while. Like I, cause I was so focused on my inner work, which is a funny, you know, side effect. I became really detached from it. And I just focused on like feeling better in my own body, in my own skin, in my own brain. Um, and I kept doing kind of like what my strategy coach suggested. And then on literally December 31st, 2020, like at 3 PM. So, you know, new year's Eve, I hit six figures with a pretty hefty payment from a high ticket client. And I was like, Oh, that's cool. And so I of course celebrated with my family. I was with my family at the time. Um, 
And then around the same time, I also started to get certified in a bunch of healing modalities. So I'm now a master practitioner, master level practitioner in NLP, clinical hypnotherapy, EFT, time techniques. I'm a Reiki master teacher. I'm also almost completely certified in breath work. So I have a lot of healing skills under my belt now because as I was nearing that kind of like November, December of 2020, I started to realize I'm actually not using the strategy as much as I used to. And I'm making more money. Like what I'm doing now looks so different from what I did in Q1. And so I was like, I feel like I can't stay in integrity with my clients and say, Hey, just do this strategy and you'll be fine. Like, it doesn't matter. Just do the strategy and you'll be fine. That didn't feel authentic to me because it didn't work for me. So how could I continue to teach business strategy as the only option for my clients as as like the only thing they'll ever need when like I needed so much more than that. So I started to get certified in these modalities and started to shift my business and my brand to more of the healing work and the mindset work and the manifestation. And then when, you know, I kind of came down after New Year's Eve and like reflected on the year and thought about my product suite, I looked at my product suite and I was like, literally none of this fits me anymore. None of it fit me anymore. And I wanted to kind of backtrack a little bit. The reason why I built my product suite that way is because I was really money focused in 2020, especially at the beginning. Like my only goal was to hit six figures. Any way, shape or form I could get there, I was gonna listen to whatever my coach told me, I was gonna do whatever she thought would be most strategic, I was gonna do it perfectly, I was gonna do it the best and I was gonna hit six figures. So that was like the intention I started 2020 with. And then it's, it's not an accident, by the end of the year, I felt completely disconnected from the business because it wasn't me. It never had been me, you know, it never came from my heart and soul. It came from strategy and like what someone else thought I should do. And it's, it's not like it was my coach's fault, but I had never brought my own heart and soul into my business because I was so money focused. You didn't like, you were just doing what you told, you were told. Exactly. And, and I think that's really common in the industry. I don't want to single anyone out, but I think it's really common that people get so laser focused on 10 K months or six figures that they forget why they started their business in the first place. And they don't take the time and energy to connect into a deeper than money purpose or like a heart driven mission that will sustain them beyond whatever launch strategy or Instagram algorithm update is going to happen next month. Right. Cause like the thing with our industry is it's shifting and changing like monthly, weekly, daily, like the platforms are always changing. What works in the marketplace is always changing. So what are you going to do to stay relevant and to continue to have that passion for your business? For me, it had to be developing a bigger than money purpose, something that will drive me even when the income doesn't look like what I want it to look like, or even when Instagram is changing their algorithm again. And I have to learn a new content thing like reels, right? Yep. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's a big thing that we talk about. I've talked about that with multiple guests on this show, because if you don't, you get to a point where you make enough money to, you pay your bills, whatever. But then if you're still not feeling fulfilled, like you don't, you don't even want to show up. You don't even want to do the work. You're sick of doing the strategy. And then eventually you're going to reach a point. I'm not there yet, but I will be there where you're making 
million plus dollars in your business and you have all of your bills paid easily, you have money in savings, you have anything that you want in your life and you're still not feeling fulfilled, then what do you do? Like you have yeah. to start all over, right? And well, it's, and oh, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, it's good that you figured this out in the, over the course of a year, I would say, because yeah. in the grand scheme of things, that's a short amount of time to realize that. I mean, it took me five years to figure out what I wanted to do because I had so much back and forth. Um, but I would say if you feel any kind of like nagging inside of you where it doesn't truly feel aligned, listen to it and just feel into that because it's, that feeling is coming up for a reason. Yeah. And I'll also say like, I've had mentors in the past where like, I wasn't encouraged to go inward and ask myself questions. So I just want to make a blanket statement, no matter who you're working with, always use your own internal compass first, always come back to you, always come back to your body, your heart and soul, your vision, and tell them what you see for your business and then have them guide you from there. Don't give your power away to a mentor just because they're making more money than you. And you know, forget about your own dreams and your own passions and everything that's important to you. And there's tons of coaches out there that will respect that and encourage that. But if you're not getting that support now, just, you know, take that initiative for yourself as a business owner. Mm -hmm. Um, but the other thing I was going to say too, is, you know, there's a lot of millionaires out there who didn't work through their trauma, worked all the way up to a million dollars and, you know, maybe are still going, still chasing, and then I, what I would say to that is, well, what does the rest of their life look like? What do their relationships mm -hmm. look like? Do they actually have free time? You know, are they, do they have internal peace, right? Like you can't put a price on internal peace. Oh my gosh. No, not waking up with anxiety every day is truly life-changing. And that has no dollar amount on it, but it's, it's truly life-changing. Um, yeah. I also just want to just quickly say, I know a lot of people talk about figuring out what your why is going back to this. And I know that it seems really cliche for, to hear that being said, but it's, it's honestly so true. And I think it just goes back to um, like really aligning with what feels good to you, what feels good to your soul and what feels good in your body too. And typically I would say 99.9% .9 of the time that aligns with your quote unquote why in your life and your business. And, um, they can really me men meld, meld well together. Is that what I want to say? Men, yeah. this, in, this in is mesh, what I mean. I don't know. Mesh. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> mesh, mesh perfectly together. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, um, for me, for anyone who's like, well, I don't really resonate with finding your why. Cause my why is to make a shit ton of money. I mean, that was my why for a long time. I was Mine like, I want to be a billionaire. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I cared about for a long time. So the way I like to kind of like reframe it or help you dig deeper is if you're already a billionaire, what would you spend your time doing? And like, why would your business still be important to you? Right. Mm -hmm. Cause there has to be something that transcends money that keeps you going. If right. you want to actually get to that billionaire status. Yeah. And even if your why is your family. Okay. Well, guess what? Yeah. If you build a business where you're working 15 hours a day, you're not spending that time with your family. So even if you are growing this business to support your family, are you actually seeing them? 
Like that's a big, I hear that, especially because I work with a lot of moms, a lot of their whys are yeah. focused on their family, their kids. Like, well, are you actually spending time with them? And they're, well, I mean, I sit on my computer and while they're watching TV at night, I'm, that's, that's not spending time with them. Come on. Now. Yeah. You know what spending true uninterrupted time is with your family. So I'm glad that you mentioned that. Yeah. Um, I do want to know just, I, I don't want to spend a ton of time on this, but I want to just get your perspective on um, if you've noticed any toxic trends that have happened in the online space specifically. Oh, totally. <laughs> yeah. So um, I think because you're like, yes, <laughs> I, I think that one of the most toxic things, and I always take it back to the individual because like people, people are going to do things out of integrity or they're going to do things from their own trauma, right? Like, let's be real. Some, some toxic patterns come from people being in their own trauma. Um, so I always like to give the power back to the individual, whoever is the client, right? So we are all clients of mentors, most likely, or we all plan to hire mentors, or even if we don't hire mentors, we look up to mentors for free, right? So I always bring it back to what can I do to be safe in this environment? And I think one of the biggest like toxic things that clients do is they disempower themselves by putting their mentor up on a pedestal. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yep. Like if, if there's anything I can tell you to get out of a toxic mentorship relationship, take your mentor off that pedestal and put them right there next to you. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. I absolutely, there should be no hierarchy in a coaching relationship. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's something that I really have deepened my embodiment in with my certifications. And I mean, I'm a trauma-informed practitioner now, um, but even something as simple as, you know, how we're speaking to people in sales conversations or how we're setting boundaries and how we're communicating those boundaries and also respecting our clients or respecting our mentors, like there's so many dynamics that can get really messed up when you put your coach on a pedestal or when your coach puts themselves up on a pedestal. Right. So like I've had, I've had mentors who have like told me that they were disappointed in me or that they expected better from me, which is like a parent to a child, right? Like that is not the relationship that you should have with a coach. Right. A coach should say, how are you feeling about what happened if something bad happened, right? Like, how can I support you in this? It wasn't your fault. You know, how can we learn from this together, right? Like it's, it should be a lot more equal and level and you should feel like your coach is not better than you, but is the same as you on like a deep human level. If it feels like they're above you in some way, then either take them off the pedestal or find a new mentor because a lot of things can go wrong if there are those power dynamics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I was shocked when you said that because I've never heard anybody saying that before. I mean, that that blows my mind that anybody would say that. I wouldn't even say that to my child. So right? let alone a client. That's, <laughs> that's terrible. Um, I like to view it as like kind of like a continuum. So it's like your client, you and your coach or mentor or whatever are on the same continuum. They just may be like two or three steps ahead of you but they're still even with you in this journey. Everybody's on their own journey. I love to think of it that way. And I just love to say that because it really helps to give me like a visualization of like, oh, I'm at this point in my journey. If I want to hire somebody who's a little bit further ahead of me, that makes sense because I want to learn from them, but I'm never putting anybody on a pedestal. So I'm really glad that you mentioned that. And I'll also say it makes you a better coach 
if you're someone who coaches others, it makes you a better coach. If you see your clients as equals, there's a lot of like culture or like CEO boss, babe, like, I don't know, skills that are being taught to people that are, are kind of toxic where it's like, oh, your client should do what you want, not the other way around. Or like, oh, your client is lucky to be in your energy. Like these are like actual things that are taught in the industry. And it's just important to realize like you should like look up to your clients as much as they look up to you. And if you see them and treat them as true equals and not like equals, but behind closed doors, you, you know, don't see them as equals, but if you really feel on a deep level that they're equals to you, they're actually going to get better results because they're going to feel more empowered. And this is all happening unconsciously too, right? So what you do behind closed doors matters too, because if you want to get real woo on the energetic channels, it's being communicated to your clients that you don't see them as equals, which disempowers them and causes them to get, you know, worse results. And obviously we all care about our client results. If not, if for no other reason than the good testimonials, but hopefully you have a deeper reason for caring about your client's results. Um, so just acknowledge that, like, if I see my clients as true equals to me, they're going to thrive. I also want to throw team in here too, because I notice, and I've heard from a lot of people in the online world who do not value their team members and they treat their team members as less than two, which is not okay on any, any level at all. I don't know if that's anything, if you want to speak to that at all. Yeah. I mean, I always, I always think if, okay, so we're, when you start to build out your team for your business, you are the the founder and CEO, right? Like you are the leader of your team. Good leaders should see their team as equal to them. And good leaders should take responsibility for everything that goes wrong, right? Like not that like your team can make mistakes and just get away with it, right? But like, I always see if my team makes a mistake, okay, what did I do wrong with training them? Or how did I communicate this in a way that didn't make sense to them? And then like work with them to find a solution, but I don't just like yell at them and tell them that they're crap and like fire them on a whim. Like there's so much power in treating your team members as just as smart, if not smarter than you and really taking ownership as a leader, right? Like let's be real. Being a CEO is not like putting yourself up on a, on a pedestal and treating everyone else like crap. Being a real leader and a real CEO is lifting everyone up with you and taking radical responsibility for your actions and the actions of your team. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I speak about that a lot because I'm so over people calling them CEOs and not acting like it. It's really just pissing me off at this point, to be totally honest, because you can't just call yourself a CEO and then treat your clients like garbage, treat your team members like garbage. Because guess what? They're going to leave and then you're going to be a solopreneur again. So then what are you going to do? Are you still going to call yourself a CEO if everybody's leaving you and then you have a terrible reputation in the industry that's not very big to begin with? And um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm so glad that you mentioned that. It's all about leadership as you step into that CEO role. And it's something that a lot of people, when they decide that they need to delegate or outsource any kind of work, they don't take that into account. And that's one of the most important things that you need to realize when you are stepping into a leadership role, whether you have a VA who works with you five hours a week or a team of 10 people supporting you, whether they're part-time or full-time. Yeah. And that's what I help my clients with because I'm so passionate about it. Sorry, go ahead. (laughs) 
Oh, I was just going to say, can I add one more thing to that too? So um, I also want to like redefine what a CEO is, at least in the online space. I think in corporate people get it. (laughs) In the online space, we have a messed up vision of what a CEO is. A CEO is not someone who makes a certain amount of money, right? Like that, that is not the only definition of a CEO. A CEO is someone who empowers their team who has a bigger vision for the company that prioritizes longevity over short-term revenue gains, right? Like I have like a five-year, 10-year vision. I don't have like a next month vision. Mm-hmm. A CEO is someone who, you know, thinks about how to innovate and where the company needs to go, right? It's not just about how much money you make at all. Yeah, no, I, I didn't even realize people were equating CEO to a dollar amount. <laughs> and that, that's... No, that's got to stop. I don't care if you're making $10,000 a month or a hundred thousand or a million dollars a month. Like, no, no. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. (laughs) I just, (laughs) I just get so fired up and I don't want to go out on a tangent because we've been talking for a while and we need to stop. So I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just stop right now. If you want to hear more and you want to have this conversation, send me a DM on Instagram and we can talk about it personally, <laughs> but I'm, I don't want to go off on that tangent because we can be here for hours talking about that. Um, I should come back for a second episode. We can talk about more stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For sure. For sure. Absolutely. So, all right. So I do want to wrap this up because this has gone on a little bit longer than I anticipated, but it's been so good and it's so necessary for people to hear. So, um, I know that you shared that one tip before, but if you could, for people who are in that workaholic stage, but if there's somebody right now who's feeling really disconnected from this business that they built or not really understanding what their purpose is in their life, can you give one piece of advice for that person? Get some space and go inward. Love that. A lot of times we're, we're, Yeah. A lot of times we're too close to our business and workaholicism fuels that, right? It just draws you in even deeper into the depths of your business, but to see the big picture, you have to really step away. And I would say like, if, if you are in like a deep workaholic pattern and you feel like, I don't know what the hell I want to do with my business anymore. I feel super disconnected. I would even say like, get away for like minimum four days without doing anything for your business, like take a trip, go visit family, be around people who are not in the online space, like get lots of space from your business. And then after you've had at least four days, like away from your business, go inward and ask yourself what you truly want. I think that's great. I personally love to journal. I don't know if you're a journaler, but I've tried to like just sit and be still, and I'm not the best at it. And I think I can attribute it to my ADHD brain. That's like constantly moving all the time. But, um, what I find when I personally journal, I can get all of my feelings out and I'm like, Oh, that's what was in there. Okay. This all makes so much more sense. now. Yeah. Journal, um, also like talking out loud or, um, like I like to meditate, but I also like to do um, things like breath work, which is more active, or, um, I also do like a lot of somatic stuff. So body awareness, if you can start to develop body awareness or somatic awareness, that can help you get answers a lot faster because your body knows before your brain knows. 
Can you explain so, that a little bit for people who aren't familiar with that? Yeah. So we have a lot of, um, so first there's three, three parts of us, right? There's our brain or our mind. There's our body, like our physical human form. And then there's our energy body. And whether or not you believe in all this, just roll with me for a second. So there are unconscious knowings or like soul level energetic knowings that our conscious brain can never access, or it takes a lot longer for it to access because they're either pre-verbal or they're, they're just like clouded by whatever's in our conscious mind. So we can't actually get to the truth. Right. So what do I mean by this? So like, if you're like, Oh, should I let go of this program or not? What I would encourage you to do is try to take like five deep breaths. So we can actually do it right now if you want to. Yeah, let's so do five it. deep breaths. And even just with those five deep breaths, you might notice that everything kind of like calms down a little bit, which is great. And then you can close your eyes. And then wherever you are now, just try to identify where am I located in my body, right? So for me right now, since we've been talking a lot, I'm really located up in my head space. Another way you can think about this is like, where is the thinker? Like, where am I thinking from? And for a lot of us, it's like right behind the eyes, up in the brain. And then once you find yourself there, I want you to see if you can drop your awareness that's located in the head space into your heart space. And some silence is good for this. You can think of feeling your heart from within your heart. So instead of going up to the mind and creating a thought, what does my heart feel like? I want you to actually dive into the sensations in your heart space and be there fully. And then once you're there, and I'm going a little fast for time, but you can slow this down and put me on pause. Then you'll ask the question to your heart space. Should I keep this program? And then listen, I'm saying that in quotes, listen for an answer to come from your body or from your heart. So that's just one of many exercises that I do for like more deeper awareness for deeper awareness, because again, there's things that are pre-verbal, meaning we developed our truth before we had language, right? Like when we were infant babies, before we had language, we knew certain truths or they're on the energetic level, which you can't go up to the mind to learn that from your energy body. You have to go into the body to learn your truth. So you can call this intuition. You can call this awareness. There's a lot of different names for what I'm describing, but if you're able to start working with your body more through any of these practices I've mentioned, then you'll, you'll be able to really find your internal compass and make the right decisions for you and your business. 
love that. I'm so glad that you shared that little exercise. And yes, if you want to go back, you can listen to this as many times as you want. <laughs> go back, listen to it. Or um, you can just connect with Kristen and she can do this with you one-on-one. Um, so totally. do you want to, I know I shared your Instagram page before. So is that the best place for people to find you? Yeah. So, um, I also have a podcast soul expansion podcast or search my name, Kristen Kaczynski, wherever you get your podcasts and that little exercise we just did. I do like a bunch of those on the podcast. So if you're like, Ooh, that was a fun little taste, but I want to go deeper, go subscribe to my podcast. Um, and then my main platform for social media is Instagram. So at Kristen Kaczynski, um, or Kristen Kaczynski.com. And I also wanted to offer a free gift to anyone who's watching this. Um, so we've been talking a lot about like how mindset and energy impact your business and how like leading from like that heart led place allows you to grow your business in the way that's right for you and also see more success. So along with that, there's often a lot of beliefs about money that can come into play that prevent us from being able to do that. So I have a free money mindset hypnosis. Um, if you go to mymoneyhypnosis.com, just enter your email and you can download the hypnosis for free. Um, but it'll help you start to reprogram your beliefs about money. And it is specific to business owners in the online space. So I talk about clients. I talk about, um, you know, receiving PayPal dings and all that sort of stuff in the hypnosis. So mymoneyhypnosis.com. Awesome. Love that. Thank you so much for being here, sharing your story, giving people some like really tangible things that they can literally do right now. Or if you're driving, don't close your eyes right now. Like wait till you get home. <laughs> yeah, but, don't. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. Um, but this has been so great. Thank you again for being here. Thank you for sharing that. And um, I look forward to people reaching out and grabbing that free hypnosis and just connecting with you on social media. Thank you so much, Stephanie. I had so much fun and I can't wait to hear from you guys. If you enjoyed this episode, definitely reach out, send me a DM. I love connecting with you. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Behind Their Business podcast with me, Steph Blake of The Blake Collective, which is a female-led company focused on helping online entrepreneurs start and scale their own businesses. If you or someone you know would make a great guest for the show, we would love to interview you. Visit our website at behindtheirbusiness.com to submit a short application and learn more about the show and how you can support our mission. If you enjoyed the show, we would love for you to share it with a friend or a loved one too. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Thank you again for listening to the Behind Their Business podcast.